You're listening to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live, with your hosts, Eric Provoznik, Jim Culver, Marty Zamora, and Christine Leninger. Hi, this is Tom Wilson. You're listening to All Over the Place, where the fun sanity never ends. Hello and welcome back to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live. I'm your host, Eric Provoznik, and we got... Another repeat guest tonight. We were happy to have back with us uh, someone we had on the show earlier this year. And with us, as always, though, before we, we get to our guest, our special guest, Jim Culver. How are you tonight, my friend? I am I am very good. How about yourself? Awesome. Even though the Bills are, at the moment, in the habit of uh, ticking a game away. I'm, I'm being nice and not saying something else about the game. But all is well here in the, in, in the Valley of the Sun. Speaking of the Valley of the Sun... Christine. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. So I'm happy, even though I didn't watch the game. (laughs) You're kind of watching. Uh, Bill, (laughs) it's the NFL, so I'm like, eh, it's good background noise, but Bill's person or former Bill's person and a Chiefs person. So we're we're kind of like not caring that we're at each other's throats today. Not really. And uh, our, our normal NFL numero uno, Marty Zamora, not going to be joining us tonight. Uh, unfortunately, he's uh, had to take a backseat doing his George Jefferson and not popping in. Uh, just the guest appearances. Mar- Marty will be back with us really soon, though. But with us tonight, as I mentioned at the top, we have with us uh, Jacob Smith from Society Reviews. Good to have you back in, Jacob. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be back and to be on the not so uh, nice side. What you did, tried to refer is that the uh, Buffalo Bills are about to choke away yet another game. And I would laugh at you. However, the Las Vegas Raiders are currently in the process of losing a game. And I'm not making this up right now. Three to nothing in mm-hmm. the fourth quarter. Oh, so someone finally scored in that one. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that that's football in 2023. And we uh, can't say uh, three yards in a cloud of dust anymore because everyone's on this turf field stuff so yeah it's that's yeah. not that kind of football game so, no. so people are spending five hundred dollars on decent seats for nfl games to watch a team play three nothing when it's all said and done <laughs> i'm awake i'm awake <laughs> it's like a soccer game. game yeah it's what i was about to say at least somebody scored so it didn't feel like a soccer game yeah right well, it, it, want... in, in my best ice cube then we just choked like the buffalo bills damn <laughs> yep. Kicking it back uh, to the predator there with some cube. <laughs> but enough oh, of man, football, enough of Eric doing a, his poor slash best uh, ice cube there. But uh, tonight we're going to be talking about 2023, the year in review, movie wise. And for me, I can't believe I saw as many movies as I did this year. I mean, Hollywood, especially if you're you know leaning right, it's just dismal out there. But not great. Their movies were, were, were that were expected to make my blockbusters are not doing what they used to. We've talked about it before on the show, but Disney is a sinking ship, whether they want to admit it or not. Whoever's in charge there, but Jacob, what what, what was your take on the movies in twenty twenty three? I'll say this: it, it's slightly better than last year because I felt like, with the exception of uh, Top Gun Maverick, there wasn't any movies 
that got released in theaters that really inspired anyone to actually go out into movie theaters to watch anything. I think this year we actually got some pretty solid uh, films uh, that actually people have really, really liked. Like, just to name a few that throw some names out there, like Oppenheimer was a big film earlier this year. Um, I think Godzilla Minus One is kind of one that's big right now at the moment. Uh, Sound of Freedom was also another big one. You had a couple others. Barbie uh, drew a lot of people into the movie theater. So just actually going out and watching a movie, I think we're much better off this year than we were last year because last year it was like for six months it was Top Gun Maverick and literally nothing else. So based on that, I think we're doing better than we were uh, a year ago. So Yeah, we talked about it earlier this year with uh, Christian Toto from the Hollywood Toto podcast and just Hollywood need to make event movies like Top Gun was last year. You had to see that yeah. in a theater and the whole Barbenheimer experience. Again, they tailored it and into the advertising people for, for Barbie, especially got you. You want to see this in a theater. The buzz was there to go see it in a theater. And then you saw it in a theater and you regret seeing it in a theater, <laughs> but they got you there. They got your yep. money and they, they failed to mention a few things in their advertising that you, uh, once you're there, yeah, you paid your money and that was it. So yeah. Bait <laughs> and take switch, I believe is that, that's what they call that in advertising bait and switch. So yeah. Sounds better than, they, they say, better than another BS. <laughs> they say no take backs as they're running out the door with your money. So yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh. That, that's the funny thing about event movies is it, you know, it isn't always it doesn't really at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter whether it's good or not. The, the point is is that people got excited to go see it. I mean, I, I remember I'd go to the theater to, uh, over the summer and people were bringing their kids to see Barbie and little girls were all dressed up in, you know, uh Barbie outfits and and I think, man, when's the last time I saw anybody that go through that kind of effort to go see a movie. It's been a very long time. And yeah, it, the movie was, I haven't seen it, but it was, a, but from what I've heard, it was a huge disappointment for a lot of people, but you know, uh, just the fact that somebody cared enough to go see a movie. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of a relief that that can still happen in 2023. Uh, and I feel like that kind of alchemy is still out there, but Hollywood has gotten really terrible at, at finding a way to conjure it up. It's like over the last several years, and I've kind of noticed this as the trend, it's like they have all of these uh – properties like all these properties have a name attached to it disney's a perfect example of this they bought out of the last few years they got indiana jones they got star wars they got all the marvel properties and they just assume that well because these properties have names that you're just going to go out there and watch them just because well it's indiana jones or well it's star wars or hey it's a marvel movie so they've been riding that wave now for about 10 years and especially the last couple of years they realized the hard way that that's no longer the case. Like people are not just going to go watch a movie just because it has a Marvel brand to it. You actually got to give people a reason to want to get off their butts, go to a movie theater, go spend God knows how much money on movie tickets and concessions, especially if you guys have a family and sit there and watch a movie for two and a half hours. And they're just, people are being more selective now. So it's like, you got to come out with like something good that people actually legitimately want to see, or else you're just going to sit there. You're going to lose a hundred million plus dollars every single time because you didn't give anyone a reason to care. And it's interesting. You brought up the run times just without even blinking said two and a half hours. Yeah. And movies. And just a couple of weeks ago, we watched because it, it's the annual thing Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That movie was barely over an hour and a half. Yeah. And you've got all of that content, all that amazing, amazingly entertaining content in 90 minutes or maybe a little bit over 90 minutes. And I want to go Cocaine Bear, which almost made my, my threefer, which we'll be doing later in the show. That movie 
Was that even an hour and a half long? No. Nope. Just bam, bam, bam. Just entertain me. And it's bad when the movies are not good and they they're, then they're like two and a half hours long. Like there's a lot of movies over the last couple of years that have been like two and a half to two hours and 45 minutes long. And they're just bad movies. And it's like, it feels like a hostage situation going into like the movie theater. You're like, think to yourself, when am I going to get out of here? And then you realize, oh, I still have another hour and a half left to go. Like uh, the movie that came out earlier this year, which was kind of split down the middle as far as reaction goes, but Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, Martin Scorsese movie three and a half hours long. Like, do you know how much you have to like mentally prepare to sit there in a movie theater for three and a half hours to watch a movie? It's like, I, I get it. Scorsese is one of the few directors out there who you would trust with a three and a half hour movie. But at the same time, it's still three and a half hours and you feel it like after a while, like there's nothing worse than sitting there for two and a half hours and still realize you got another hour left to go. At least with the Irishman, which debuted well, a little bit in the theaters, but at the same time was on Netflix, you could pause, you could get up, mm -hmm. you could do what you needed to do with it. And I, I wish that that we could get something going, or maybe it would take me buying a movie theater or starting to manage a movie theater again. I say we bring back the intermission. I mean, if, if Paul, we shouldn't need an intermission, but if you're going to stretch it out that long, then yeah, it would be nice to have a break in between there outside of expecting people. Nope, you're just going to sit there and watch all 175 minutes of this movie here, and you start calculating the time, and all of a sudden you just want to be like, oh, I'd rather like do anything else, like, I don't know, jump off a bridge or running the traffic or anything else that would be more enjoyable <laughs> than this movie right now. <laughs> hey, theaters, you can sell more concessions during an intermission. Just saying. Yep. People be, people feel very refreshed after a bathroom break. After they've been sitting there for a while, you can stretch your legs, you know, load up on some more sugary crap, and then just go back out there and, and, and hammer through the remainder of the movie. Last intermission I remember was, and I think I brought it up on the show before, was Malcolm X, way back in what, 91, 92. Last movie with an intermission. Yep. Bring them back. And that one, that one certainly needed it, but yeah. It's been a while, and I don't think some of these studios have truly learned the lesson now because it feels like the the move the run times are getting longer, but the quality is getting worse, which should not be the the case whatsoever. We'll just call it the Apatow syndrome and, and move on from there. Hopefully, people start getting it. God. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so. and and like, you know, there's a couple of names. I'm just gonna real quick. There's a couple of names that I can go without hearing again in a movie theater. That's uh, Apatow and Rogan. Anything that they're working on, it, it could just like skip it for me. It's like I'll, I'll just give it my one and a half stars, and I can just move on to something else. <laughs> it's pretty much the same movie over and over again. Which is sad because Apatow used to be someone that was an automatic for me to go see it. Oh yeah. yeah. But I, th I think the problem is, is that, you know, a lot of these directors, a lot of these like creative guys, it's like, oh, I love their stuff that they were doing years ago. And that was because you loved it because you didn't realize like the, the bit yet. Like you didn't realize that they were just like one note at the time. It was like, it, it's almost like with Seth Rogen, like years ago, like when you were watching like Pineapple Express, you were like, oh, that's a funny movie. And then, you know, you know they're smoking weed and doing a bunch of hijinks and oh, that's great. Then you watch the next movie and it's the exact same thing. And then you watch the next movie and it's the exact same thing. After a while, you pick up on the fact that, oh, this is all his movies are. It's just the same thing over and over again. And oh, now I no longer like like it anymore. And like I liked it before. It's like eating your fifth slice of cake. It's like after a while, it's not going to have like the same joy that it had at slice number one. People aren't acting so much anymore. It's just playing themselves. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember <laughs> renting the old. I remember renting all those uh, Apatow movies on DVD, and I watched the outtakes, and it would just be, uh, you know, the characters kind of the same scenes, and the characters riffing and coming up with some other joke or some other punchline, and you realize that that's all they do is just for every scene they just have them riff 10 different times and they pick the only one that's that's they pick the funniest one so you know and once you kind of kind of see that formula it's like there's really not a whole lot there i mean it's entertaining to watch in the moment but there's really not a whole lot there it's just these just these guys sitting around riffing and they're you know they're all like two and a half hours long and you know i, I mean i love the 40 year old virgin and uh and, you know i love you know i thought knocked up was really good but but at some point, I mean, just, you know, if all you're doing is just riffing over and over and over again, it, it, it just wears out. And you have to actually, at some point, you have to actually have some structure and some quality control to this stuff. And, you know, that seems to be the, what's what's missing out of, out of Hollywood these days is there's just no quality control happening right now. None. I don't know if there's just no quality control or just the people are just, like, I use this analogy a lot. It's like we used to have this thing in Hollywood called a pitch meeting where you would get a bunch of people in a room and you would pitch them a movie. And then if your idea was bad, you wouldn't get greenlit for like the movie. You would have to move on to something else. But now people are just, I don't know if they're just no pitch meetings at all, or people are just like listening to these ideas, thinking that they're great. And all of a sudden you give it $300 million and then you wonder why you lose $300 million at the box office. It was like, oh, whose great idea was it to let's put uh, two characters from two Disney Plus shows that we've never heard of and nobody watched and put them in a, a multi-million dollar movie probably our most expensive movie yet versus a character who probably wasn't that very well liked to begin with and then uh we should get profit from that right and then we release it and it's like oh yeah now it's the lowest grossing mcu movie ever and if, if only someone could have told them in a pitch meeting this probably wasn't a good idea we could have avoided all this but here we are yeah we, we, we could do an entire show on disney and the, the plugging in of the the various uh, just the X roll, Y roll, Z roll, and you've got to fill all of these these uh, different uh, just niches. Yeah, and niches that nobody nobody knows about. I mean, I think Disney at this point over the last two calendar years have probably had about nearly ten movies to have lose almost over a hundred million dollars each. Like that's how bad. They're filled between like the Marvel, Star Wars, I mean, uh, Lucasfilm and 20th Century Fox. They've had almost 10 that have lost over $100 million at least. So, yeah, it's pretty bad over there right now. And and but to me, God bless South Park and entering the Panderverse. I thought that brilliantly mm -hmm. took down yep. Disney. Oh, uh, apparently, and we covered this in Bounding on the Comics a few months ago. Apparently, there was a change that they made to uh, the Marvels, that film that was supposed to come out, because I guess they were supposed to infer that there was going to be some kind of like lesbian uh, relationship between Captain Marvel and Tessa Thompson's character, and they had that into the final cut. Then the Panaverse came out, and all the memes from the Panaverse came out with it, and they were like, oh, God, we can't have this out there, because now we're going to look really bad if we put this in the film. So apparently, they cut that scene at the very last last minute so uh yeah south park is definitely not uh too keen in the disney universe at the moment for everything they so is that what got that movie down to about 97 98 minutes then it, it may have been almost two hours yeah who knows like you, you, here's the scary part right so they explained this it was like well uh because they had numerous reshoots over the course of the last few uh years people don't understand this movie was actually supposed to come out about 18 months ago the summer of last year and it didn't because it got pushed back 
five times uh, throughout the course of his release. So part of it was doing reshoots, and their explanation of the reshoots was, well, we wanted to uh, cut some things out of the movie to make the plot line more understandable. So the cut that you guys got in the movie theaters was actually the most coherent movie they could have possibly put together, which makes you wonder what what was the previous cut of the film where it made absolutely no sense in their estimation, because the one that they released in theaters was pretty bad of itself. God help us, there's going to be a director's cut on Disney Plus next year that's going to be five hours long. Take that, Zack Snyder's Justice League. We're coming for you with a new record. (laughs) Isn't that like a great promotion? It's like they're literally telling you, yeah, believe it or not, there was actually a worse cut of this movie that we somehow kept from the public. It's like, wait, there was a movie that was even worse than this? (laughs) Yeah, and that's always my reaction when, you know, a studio says, oh, this, this was two and a half hours long. We had to cut it to make it, you know, to make it more more palatable or whatever it's like why did you make it why did you make a two and a half hour movie in the first place like why didn't yeah. you why didn't you look at the script and say this is too long we have to cut it like way earlier in the process you know yeah. and uh, it's yeah so it's the thing with like Zack snyder he comes out with the, the snyder cut and it's a four-hour movie and it's like is it a better movie than the original yeah sure because everything makes sense however if you couldn't make the film make sense in less than two and a half hours then that's obviously a problem because obviously you weren't going to expect people to go out there and watch a four-hour justice league movie in the movie theaters so if you can't edit your film properly then that's kind of a problem on the filmmaker's perspective Either that you should just stick to tv I'm sorry, one more time, Jacob. I didn't mean to step on you there. No, either that or maybe you should just move the TV. Make a mini series, if you must. Mm-hmm. I'm firmly convinced at this stage that the Russo brothers are the only ones who can make a two and a half or even two more than two hours and 15 minute hero movie without without losing anything. Yeah. And like I said, the, the MCU is in big, big trouble right now. Like all of their plans blew up in their face. Uh, their star villain for the next five years is on trial for allegedly assaulting his girlfriend in Brooklyn. So he might be done, especially with the things that have come out recently on that whole situation. They're trying to bring people back to the MCU who don't want to come back because they got screwed over uh, the last few years for like a lot of uh, money issues. So they don't really want to come back. So all they have is that, hey, um, Deadpool maybe and then that's pretty much it for like the next three years yeah that's the only one that's on tap right now isn't it deadpool next year yeah yeah that they that's the only movie that's scheduled to release next year because and i'm not even making this up every other project they were supposed to release that year has been pushed back because there's so much turmoil in the production side of things like uh captain america 4 for instance the one with anthony mackie that's been pushed back now they're ordering several months of new reshoots because they have to change three plot points of the film that apparently got horrendous uh test screenings for so they have to pretty much reshoot that entire film uh Blade has been another big topic. That movie's going to have to be completely rewritten. I think they've rewritten that movie twice now. They're moving in a completely different direction with that. There's the whole thing with the Thunderbolts. They don't still know what they're doing with that whole situation. And then, of course, there's all the Disney Plus stuff that they're probably going to be pushing back another two years as well. On top of the fact they have to figure out what they're going to do because their uh, villain is on trial for assault. Too so it's very fun being uh Bob Iger right now. He he wanted this uh he wanted to come back and and save Disney and take all the glory. Well, that's definitely not what's happening at the moment. So care for what you wish for, Bob. Care for what you wish for. And doing a quick crossover into comics, and I was very excited when (laughs) we're to say excited about an MCU movie these days, but when uh 
Disney was able to buy it when they got Fox. I mean, they could do the yeah. crossover with the X-Men. I'm a huge X-Men guy. Mainly from the comics back in the 70s, 80s, maybe even to the early 90s. But being able to use Captain Marvel and you put her and Rogue together and Rogue stealing her powers, all that. So they, I think they could have done a really good crossover and introduction crossing those two franchises. And maybe, you know, the Captain Marvel could have been saved from that. Now, who knows? And, and where do you see the X-Men now fitting into the Marvel Universe with all the turmoil going on? Well, you know, it's funny when you think about it, because wasn't that the whole selling point of the whole 24th century uh, Fox deal in the first place? It's like, hey, guys, now we can have the X-Men in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, hey, in a couple of years, you'll get Wolverine and the Hulk in a movie, and it's going to be awesome and amazing. And here we are, what, seven years later, and we still don't have any X-Men like whatsoever. Like, I know we're getting Deadpool, but as far as like a proper X-Men movie, it's not even like in development. They're not even like actively talking about it here at this point. So this was the whole reason why anyone was supposed to be excited about this merger in the first place here we are seven years later we still haven't gotten it it doesn't look like we're going to get it anywhere in the near future because everything's falling apart so at the actual stuff like people who are excited about this uh comic book fight that you guys were going to get in the movies it's like yeah it doesn't look too good now does it well i think there's still maybe the bad taste uh lingering from uh, dark phoenix and or the new mutants yeah, I mean, Dark Phoenix was. I mean, all I can say is that was their own fault. That's probably what happens when you uh, hire someone who's known for their intoxication levels to lead in a superhero movie. That's two hundred million dollars, and I don't know. Somehow things went wrong. I don't know who could have possibly saw that one coming. But even outside of that, it's like you had you know the the previous X Men movies from like twenty years ago, and they kind of like the newer cast, people still kind of liked, with the exception of a few people. But you you still had some kind of a draw there. But I don't think Disney actually had a plan and how to integrate these people into their current system they were just like oh we have all these new toys that we can play with now but we don't know exactly how the how they're going to fit with the toys that we already have and now the toys that we already have are going away so it's like we don't have anything at the moment well i'm still keeping fingers crossed for deadpool because i love that character and i just love the interplay that uh the the, the wolver that wolverine will hopefully have mm-hmm yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I know they're still shooting that one right now. I'm not sure when they're going to be wrapping up on, on that one, but it's still being shot. Hopefully it's good. I mean, the first Deadpool was pretty good. The second one I didn't think was very strong. I thought that was a pretty uh, weak movie. And then obviously they have to bring back Hugh Jackman for the third movie to get people re-interested in it. So you can only hope that it's going to be good. It's going to have a lot of Disney's fingerprints all over the film, which I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. In, in 2023 either so you're putting a lot of faith into a uh, i mean let's be honest if this film flops then you pretty much gonna have to like throw some tnt into this and blow the whole thing up and start fresh because if that movie flops you really got nothing in the future in the next you know five years of this this superhero universe anyone's gonna be looking forward to if nothing else we'll always have the hugh jackman and ryan reynolds youtube videos to watch those are entertaining mm -hmm. as all get out yeah you. I, yeah, I will say it, you know, because I'm assuming that Deadpool 3 is going to be the last time Hugh Jackman plays Wolverine. He They basically had to drag him back for this one. Uh, I I really feel, I rarely feel sorry for actors, but I feel sorry for whoever has to replace Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and try to follow that up because he was he was amazing in that. He's one of those, those actors that's so identified with that role. And I couldn't imagine being some 25-year-old actor having to try to step into his shoes now. 
with with Disney writing behind me, it's just it's going to be just it's not going to be anything like like what audiences want. I can say that. No, I don't. I don't think they have uh, much hope of, of correcting this ship right now. The only way you're going to get get anyone excited, you have to start like firing people like Ari Gold at this point. That's the only way you're going to save anything going on at Disney. Because as long as the the creative powers that be are in charge, I mean, you're just wasting your time with whatever you're producing. And thank you, Jacob, as well for reminding us that the first X Men movies were 20 plus years ago. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Was the first one? I think like 1999. So we're almost at like 25 years for that one. 99, 2000. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cue the cue the Matt Damon getting older gif. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's funny. We, on Friday night, we watched um, Escape from New York with, with Kurt Russell, and, and like I say, you're talking about you know a obviously much younger uh, Kurt Russell film came out in, in 81 compared to like today and, and whatnot. And it's funny going back and watching that one. It's like, yeah, Kurt was probably like every bit of like five nine like in the film, especially when he's like standing next to like other people who are like, much taller than him. I'm like, couldn't they get him like the same box that they get like Tom Cruise and Vin Diesel? to make them seem like they're the same height as everybody else's. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, anybody next to Isaac Hayes, you're, you're going to want to look smaller. Right? It's Isaac Hayes. Yeah. The, the one of the positive things about the, the, the entire movie, I should say. <laughs> now, one of the positive things about this year, and it's especially for the Marvel Universe, Guardians 3. Although I didn't find it as good as the first two, still found it. I, I really enjoyed the movie, and now that you know James Gunn's fingerprints on that one, but those fingerprints are gone now. Do you think he's going to be able to take that life over to resuscitate anything at DC? So there, there's a couple of ways to look at this because I'm not a big James Gunn fan by any stretch of the imagination. Now I'm also not a Zack Snyder's fan, so let's not get into that whole thing. But <laughs> here's my conflict. There's there's two ways of looking at this. One. I think in a lot of ways, James Gunn is kind of one trick and he's trying to, what he's essentially doing is that he's putting all of his eggs in the Superman basket because if this Superman movie, which they're still casting and putting together right now, same situation as Marvel. If this is not a hit, everything that you have planned for the next five years is going to fall on his face. Like it's just simply not going to work. So I, I don't know if James Gunn is the guy who I would put in charge for a Superman movie that I need to be a hit in order to save the DC comic book um, film universe at, at this point. I'm not sure if that's the right move. And then here's the other side of it, which is more the business side of things. I've heard rumors over the last few years. You guys probably heard them too, that NBC Universal, aka Comcast, is looking into purchasing uh, Warner Brothers Discovery because despite the merger that happened a couple of years ago, Warner Brothers Discovery is still billions upon billions of dollars in debt. I think there's somewhere like forty plus billion dollars like in debt, and this, this is a bit of debt that has been passed on for a seemingly almost thirty years now, but they've never managed to stay afloat from it. So of course, I think that uh, Universal will be kind of the next pony to shove it on. And my question is, are they doing the James Gunn Superman movie as kind of like a bargaining chip to be like, well, hey, if you end up buying Warner Brothers and you'll get whatever James Gunn is planning here for the next few years. Look, we even got a Superman movie uh, coming out. Is it kind of just window dressing for the next buyer? And like I said, we're talking about a situation where if you think Hollywood has like a duopoly now, the pie is only getting rapidly smaller if uh nbc were to buy uh warner brothers and then who knows maybe apple could buy disney in a few years it's like it's only going to be smaller and smaller and smaller you think the creativity is bad now it possibly is only going to get worse as time moves on 
Well, who do you see uh, stepping into to maybe write a ship? And again, it's weird to say about superhero movie, but directors now are just, and I don't see it anyway. Hollywood's not allowing people to be auteurs no. anymore, unless you're Christopher Nolan or Paul Thomas Anderson. And even those guys are getting older. I mean, are, who who are the up and coming directors who could step in and, and do a decent job with, with I, I think, anything, let alone a superhero movie? They're, they don't exist anymore. Hollywood has turned directors and writers into essentially traffic guards. I mean, especially with Disney is a good example of this. Disney is like, okay, here's a superhero. This is the bullet points of what we want you to write and go make the movie, right? And if you try to do anything that's too artistic or too outside the box, we'll rule you in. And it worst comes to worst, we'll end up finding somebody else to do it uh, for you. Like Lucasfilm is a perfect example of this. How many directors and, and writers over the last five or six years who were supposed to be working on Star Wars projects and Indiana Jones projects have left the project halfway during production because they got into it with Kathleen Kennedy or another producer because they weren't creatively allowed to do the vision that they potentially wanted to do. And we've seen this many times. Even the MCU, people forget that... Um, uh, Doctor Strange 2, which came out, uh, I believe, like two years ago. The um, the writer and director, who I believe is Scott Der Der uh, Derrickson and uh, C. Robert Cargill, they were supposed to do, they did the first movie, they were supposed to do the second. They wanted to do something around the themes of like a Marvel horror movie, but apparently they didn't, uh, the studio wouldn't allow them to do that. So they ended up leaving the project altogether. And that's why they ended up bringing in Sam Raimi, because they figured Sam Raimi would be closer to the studio's vision than the actual writer and director's vision. And this is the problem now. It's like you got a bunch of people who are here to either uh, fulfill the studio vision of the movie, or you're here because, well, we need to essentially, um, uh, I guess, accomplish some kind of diversity and inclusion quota that has been, been levied by you know the studio now. So it's like, hey, we got to do a female um, superhero. It has to be a female director. It has to be a female writer. Those are the rules now. It's like, okay, fine. Can you get anyone who's, I don't know, good at their job at least to make something exciting here? It's like, no, we're just following this very vanilla uh, format here. And all of these movies just seem like absolute like nothing because it, the nothing creative is being produced it's everything's an edict from the top down from the studios itself or the corporations itself i should say because i mean it's really just you don't really have film studios anymore you have corporations like you have disney you have warner comcast sony and then that's pretty much like it it's just they're all just a small portion of the overall bigger corporation now and that's probably why you're seeing so much bad product being produced Now, one, one movie I, I was able to see last night, finally, and I'm, I'm not bringing this up to bring Alexander Payne in, into the, the Marvel, uh, the MCV, MCU universe, but The Holdovers. I thought, I didn't go in with any expectations other than out, tra trailers look great. Alexander Payne has rarely disappointed me in, in any movie. And, and wow, this movie just, it, it just, it really, really impressed me. And just Alexander Payne, able to just make his kind of movie is there still room for people and obviously that this movie's coming out it's doing well a studio releases it but can there still be some room for a guy for people like alexander payne is there anyone coming up who can can uh, you know fill those kind of shoes well i don't know about the big epic movie or the big hero movie type things but like what about elizabeth banks she did um cocaine bear this year she also did the beanie baby movie this year i don't know if you saw either of those but i mean i was quite surprised cocaine bear was a really good movie it's in one of my lists you know 
But um, I mean, I highly recommend the Beanie Baby movie, not just because I'm from the Chicago area where those are from, but it was a good movie. And I mean, her as a director, like, I don't know what she's working on now, if she's even doing another movie, but what about somebody like her? I mean, Elizabeth Banks, I think Cocaine Bear worked because it was such a ridiculous over-the-top premise. And people forget, especially in Hollywood, that look, people want to see like ridiculous movies like every now and then. Those type of movies like where you hear the premise and it's like, what the hell is even that? Okay, I have to go see this movie because it's just so over-the-top. It sounds so ridiculous. I have to watch it. It's like it's almost like the same thing, like, like the Sharknado effect. It's like we're going to have sharks and tornadoes. It's like that sounds so dumb. I have to like see it. So I think that was kind of the thing with her. Some of her previous films before that haven't really been very good like i know she did the uh charlie's angels one and that one was definitely a bomb for the studio uh back then I'm trying to figure out what if she was either acting in the power rangers movie or she was like simply like a producer or something like that and then she had the pitch perfect movies which you know the pitch perfect movies depending on your audience are pretty like hit and miss especially like the later ones so i know i have to see more from her before i would i don't know give her more of a shine but i think that one with the cocaine uh bear like i said it's premise i think sold uh the film pretty well and like i said it's just a bear on cocaine destroying everything so it's pretty it's a pretty hard movie to screw up if you know who your audience is bear on cocaine and ray liotta distributing cocaine that were that's enough for me yeah <laughs> and somehow we're gonna throw an ice cube sun in there too that, that'll be great <laughs> so. yeah well go, going back to what you're saying about dc and you know just kind of what what it allows creatively and what it doesn't uh it was interesting to note that that fairly recently some of their standalone movies that were outside of the Snyderverse were uh, pretty unique and pretty well made. Movies like Joker, uh, The Batman, Matt Reeves is the Batman. Uh, you know, which was like, I mean, that's that that was a big creative risk to make a three hour Batman movie that's that was in the style of like a gritty '90s serial killer movie. I mean, that you know, I, you wouldn't see something like that happening in, in within like the realm of a. A of a superhero universe where everything's connected, you know, it was, it allowed for a certain amount of creative freedom. So, and, you know, ditto for Joker because it wasn't in the, in part of any other universe, it was just this separate story. So uh, they were allowed to kind of go really dark with it and really, really uh, stylish and really intense. Um, and they both made a lot of money. So, you know, I don't know exactly what model they're going to be following going forward. It sounds like, you know, this for the second time in a row, DC is just going to try to be, MCU 2.0 and just have this interconnected universe. But uh, I think they really need to take a look at, you know, that, that kind of creative freedom and, and think about maybe we don't have to have everything tied in together. Maybe and not, not every movie has to be a commercial for 10 other movies that are coming up, you know, not everything has to be the same tone and we can just kind of let things go because audiences show up for that when, when, it's, when it's something different, but it's, but it's a, a brand that we like. I mean, look at the Barbie movie, you know, the Barbie movie wasn't part of the Mattel extended universe. It was just its own thing and it was something different. And so people show up for that if, if it's well done and if it's interesting enough. So I think that's, that's something that I think certainly Disney has been neglecting and, and DC is, I mean, uh, you know, Jacob, do you think that the, what do you do you think that there would there would be more there's more promise for success in another interconnected universe or in uh, telling separate stories? Well, I, th I think if you're looking at Marvel right now, the whole cinematic universe idea is not working out for them at the moment because the especially this year, they've lost more money on MCU films than they've ever lost 
at any point during their stretch. Like it's getting to a point now where these big budget movies that they're throwing out there where they have to make like eight hundred million dollars just to break even. It's like they're losing like two hundred to three hundred million dollars a pop now. Some probably even more than that if you really think about it. So I, I think that model is definitely dying out. The problem with DC is that they don't really have a a, a solid direction of where they're going with this because it seems like they're just throwing everything on the wall they possibly can so it's like you have the dceu universe which is supposed to be rebooted by james gunn but then you're also doing like the robert pattison batman movies that are kind of sort of not really related to the universe and then you also got the joker thing going on over here and that's not really related to anything that we're doing so you're kind of confusing your audience because everyone's kind of expecting or under this impression now that everything's all connected but you're telling people in this universe nothing is really connected so they'll really know it's like well why should i watch this movie versus like the other one is it connected to anything is it like a series of one-offs and because they don't have a a real set direction moving forward that that confusion is also leading people away from it altogether so the big two both being dc and marvel they're doing a lot more to lead people away from superhero content right now than there are to bring in anyone in so and also i was thinking if we could get the patty jenkins uh from the first wonder woman and not wonder woman 1984 i could live with that in the next wonder woman movie yeah well, they, they've already confirmed that Gal Gadot is not going to even be uh, Wonder Woman anymore. So she's done. So what? Much, yeah. So that, that's the big thing. That was like months ago. Essentially, uh, everyone who was involved with the Snyder Universe movies, they're all gone. They're all going to get rebooted. So keep in mind, we still have an Aquaman 2 movie coming out here in just a couple <laughs> of weeks. And we've already told everyone, oh, well, this is going to reboot everything. These films really don't matter. So like, then why would anyone go and watch them? Wow. Yeah, it didn't Gal have that Imagine song, did it? Well, it should have, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Gal Gadot's gone. Ben Affleck's gone. Jason Momoa might end up playing another character. He might just be gone, too. Ezra Miller's definitely gone. Uh, yeah, so... We're, the whole this new Superman movie that James Gunn is doing is supposed to reboot absolutely everything. And like I said, if that movie is not a success, then whatever you planned out for the next five years is going to be moot because those are going to flop even harder than the, the Superman movie is going to flop. So, well, I will yeah. still keep hope alive that they can bring back Michael Keaton once again to play Batman. That will never get old for me. I you know, can't I cancel Michael Keaton. No. Oh, here's the thing. If you wanted to bring Michael Keaton back, you could have brought him back in a Batman Beyond movie where he could be old man Bruce Wayne, but you've already blown that with the Flash, too. So there goes that idea out the window now as well. So, Oh, Hollywood. Oh, Hollywood. But surprisingly for me, with I, I, again, my, my field of reference is, well, actually better, bigger than it was last year, but I only had three major disappointments this year. And of course, the the obvious one being, uh, you know, Killers of the Flower Moon. I, I was I'm a Scorsese guy through and through, but yeah, just as you mentioned earlier, Jacob, just too long for the sake of being long. I don't know. It, it just didn't work for me. That one uh, also. I uh, Indiana Jones is another of the obvious ones, although it did get the taste out of my mouth, the bad taste from from the uh, Crystal Skull, but. Another one that I, I, I still, I like it, but it didn't knock me out. Pardon the pun on that one, but Creed 3. Liked it, 
but did not Creed and Creed too. I've, I've got no problem having those Rocky's probably the Rocky franchise, probably my favorite franchise. That's not Planet of the Apes and Creed, especially the first Creed. And I, I'll put that in, in that pantheon. No problem whatsoever. Creed two also was really good. Creed three. Eh. But. Well, here's, here's the thing. And this is kind of, this is my question. Even before this whole thing happened, first of all, you squeezed out Sylvester Stallone out of his own franchise. So he had absolutely nothing to do with Creed three. And then you decided that you were going to put Michael B. Jordan as the director of the movie who hasn't directed anything prior to that. So it's like, well, what's even his qualification to get a major motion picture uh, franchise movie like that in your, in this, uh, it was the third movie in Creed. So the whole tone of the film was completely different than the previous two. Like I said, Stallone had no involvement in it whatsoever. Um, the storyline in and of itself was kind of ridiculous. I mean, a guy who literally just got out of prison is all of a sudden fighting at Staples Center for the heavyweight child in the world in his very first fight ever. It's like that's not something that's, that happens in, in real life. I mean, uh, if he was like a former MMA champion who moved over sports. You can kind of see it happen because it's happened before, but you're not just going to take some dude who just got out of a 20-year bid in the joint and be like, okay, let's put him in pay-per-view now. It's like that's Hey, how let's works. don't forget a Apollo gave a little-known fighter out of Philadelphia a shot at the spectrum. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like I said, they're, they're trying that they want to move the franchise away from Rocky or what the core of the Rocky franchise was and focus it on Michael B. Jordan's character. And I'm pretty sure that in the next couple of years, we'll get a, a spinoff movie where his daughter is a boxer now, because that's kind of what they were leading up to with the Creed three movie. So it's like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's just keep churning out more bad ideas. It's going to lose millions of dollars. Like why not? Well, as Cartman, Kathleen Kennedy said, put a chick in it and make her gay. Yep. The, the, the Disney late. model. The Disney model, as we like to say. <laughs> and the Netflix model, to be fair, Netflix is pretty good at that, too. So, True. Well, glad you brought that up, the streamers, because uh, this year when I did essentially take it off of my, my top three, just I was going I wanted to focus more on theatrical films. But I really loved uh, well, what's coming out of the, uh, the streamers, whether it's Apple Plus or... Uh, or Netflix or Amazon Prime. But the one that really, well, quickly, two documentaries, the Sylvester Stallone one on Sly on Netflix, I loved, and Albert Brooks, Defending My Life, which I believe was on HBO, Bill Russell documentary on Netflix. But from a, uh, a narrative standpoint, I really, really like Taron Edgerton in Tetris. So where, where do you see streamers? As people start to come back into the theaters for event movies, whether it's like that whole Barbenheimer phenomenon kind of thing. Where do you yeah. see the streamers debuting new movies and, and that getting a little bit more, more of a, a foothold with the creative process? Yeah, Here's the problem with streamers is that movies like Tetris, which I'm glad you brought up Tetris because we'll bring it up later on uh, here in the show when we do our top three, but those movies are really few and far between throughout the year like when it comes to streaming platforms you'll probably be lucky if you get like two maybe three of those type of movies a year and then outside of that you just get like a, a absolute just like 
a, a pile of crap. I mean, that's really what you get. Like, they, they just spew out like garbage because you have to understand when it comes to the streamers, their justification is content because they have uh, they're raising the prices on a lot of these uh, streaming services now. So their whole justification is we need to keep increasing the content to justify the prices that we're charging for said content. So they'll just go out there, they'll find any old schlub who's probably never acted in anything in their entire life, probably never written anything in their entire life, and it's like. Go out there and do a movie, and it's two hours long, and go. And they put it out there, and it's a movie that you'll watch once, you won't like it, and you'll never watch it again. And that's the overwhelming majority of the content that's on streaming sites. Now, I'm not saying that it's impossible to have uh, good movies on streamers. Like I said, Tetris is a good example of that. Netflix, you might get maybe one, maybe two a year to offset like the hundreds of other terrible movies it is, but at the moment, it's not significant enough to really sway the difference unless they start using streaming services as kind of like that middle ground of, hey, well, now let's start putting out some of these movies that aren't, you know, $200 million budget movies and start moving forward with that. Let's actually start producing those mid-tier movies that have like a $30 million budget and actually have more of a story that's driven behind it as well and actually try to build something based on that. That would have to be like a edict that comes down from the top and actually find creators who are actually creative and good at their jobs to uh, bring uh, streaming out of the ashes. For now, what you're really just going to get, you're going to get, like I said, two or three good movies out of a year, and it's going to be swimming in a sea of crap. So yeah, you really have to like dig deep to find it, or else it's just not going to be there. And then, then we go back to South Park yet again with the streaming wars. Yeah, it's almost like South Park knew exactly uh, how this whole thing was going to play out. All right. Well, before we get to our, our three for we're gonna, actually we're doing, folks, a lightning round three for tonight. So we're just going to name our movies, name our favorites and go on. But before we do that, I want to just very quickly, we, we mentioned it earlier with Deadpool 3 coming out next year. Last year, my trailer of, of 2002 heading into a 2023 movie was The Cocaine Bear got me hooked. I mean, I got to see this movie right now. Uh, so I've seen it twice in the last couple of weeks, uh, going in front of Napoleon. And then last night in front of the holdovers, Ferrari, the next Michael Mann movie. I'm looking forward to that. That and Deadpool. And only things that I can think about the top minute for 2023, Jacob, Jim, Christine, anything that you guys have seen trailer wise, or you're like, got to see that next year. Jacob, I'll go to you first. The silence speaking volumes here, folks. Hollywood, pay attention. Yeah, because now these I'm are trying people to think, who love like, movies. I'm trying to think: is there anything coming out that I'm really truly excited about? Not particularly. I mean, like I know, like a lot of the big movies. There's the thing because of the writer strike and because of the actor strike. A lot of the movies that were supposed to come out the last six months or so are going to get pushed back to next year. But there wasn't really anything that got pushed back that I was really clamoring to see. Like I think a lot of people are probably going to be looking forward to Dune Two when that comes out later on this year. I wasn't particularly a big fan of the first Dune movie, but I know that that's one that people are looking forward to. Outside of that, it's kind of hard to say like what's going to be the big movie of that year. We know that. Like I said, Marvel doesn't have anything coming out outside of Deadpool, and they're still shooting that one, so who knows there's going to be delays on that one or not. And then you're seeing a lot of, like I said, mid-tier movies that just really don't have that same uh, it factor. So, I mean, who knows at this point what, what 2024 is going to look like. I haven't seen anything that I would point out and be like, oh, now this is something I have to see uh, next year, at least not yet. Jim, what yeah. about you? 
for me, there's a couple of movies outside of all the franchises and sequels that are coming out that look good. Uh, one is a, a World War II movie with Henry Cavill called The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Uh, that one looks really good. I've only, I've only seen uh, set photos from it and, and things like that, but it just looks really intriguing. Um, and uh, another one is uh, Robert Eggers is doing an adaptation of Nosferatu. And I think both either of those could be, or I think I think both of those are going to be really good, really stylish, and, and either one could possibly be the kind of the Oppenheimer of next year, kind of a a uh, you know a, a non franchise movie that kind of comes out of nowhere and blows everybody away. So kind of keeping my fingers crossed for those two, and of course you know hoping Deadpool three and some of the other sequels are going to be good too. And Christine. Um, I think one that I've seen recently that I'm excited to come out is Furiosa, the Mad Max movie that's coming out soon. Um, I'll probably see that one in the theater, of course, because Mad Max. We'll see that one. And I'm sure Nick Cage will probably have something out next year that I'll have to go see as well. So, something or, or four. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> I mean, I know, <laughs> just real quick, like, I know um, there was a uh, trailer recently for uh, Godzilla and Kong 2, which is coming out next year. And when I saw the teaser, I was like, oh, okay, this could be good. And then especially watching the, the Japanese Godzilla movie that's out there right now, minus one. But then right after that, they released the, the trailer trailer for the film. And it's just this really terrible shot where Godzilla and Kong are like, they're running towards the camera like Batman and Robin. And it just really just killed the, like the entire aura of the film to me. It's like you had something there where you thought it was going to be missing. Then you just saw that shot. And it's like, wow, you guys just killed the movie in, in your own trailers. Like, I I don't even know what to say at this point. Thank you. I could not figure that out until you just put it to words right there. I didn't know. They're coming at the, mm -hmm. yeah. It's like they're, they're really like have green skin running like this. And, they fight. It's like Godzilla's supposed to be like a giant, like hundred foot lizard. And like, he's like running like a power ranger towards the screen. It's like, this is just completely no stop. I'll be light on his feet for that size. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Like someone is literally going to make a cut of like that trailer. They're gonna put the Power Rangers theme in there, and it's just gonna like ruin the entire movie. <laughs> Maybe the YouTube. Benny Hill theme. We we love you, YouTube. We do, we do. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there. All right, well, now, folks, we're gonna like, we're doing a three fur, but this is a different form. This is lightning speed three fur, where we're just gonna go through. We're not gonna. We just talk about it. No one, no one says any no commentary. We name our three favorite movies. Of 2023, whether it's a streamer or theatrical, whoever you want to go with it, it was a movie you saw it in 2023. Jacob, we start with you. Go with your three. My three, my top three of the year is uh, Tetris. It is uh, up there. My number three. Um, uh, uh, like I said, great uh, movie. Uh, it's on Apple Plus right now. Um, great story. I really just loved everything about that movie. Number two, Oppenheimer. Uh, I think as far as like any movie that's been released in theater so far this year, that's like the top movie. And then my uh, third one is a film called The Child. It's a uh, South Korean movie about a kid who's going to go see his birth father and ends up being stalked by a hitman and has no idea why the hitman and basically his father also want him killed. And it's kind of one of those like mystery things where you don't find out what's really going on until the very end. And that's called The Child or just Child? Uh, the Child. So The Child's the child. spelled with an E, but yeah, it's called The Child. The well, I've got three movies that I need to see so far that I didn't get to this year. Dream Scenario, Spinning Gold, and The Shift. I am now adding off of your description, I'm adding The Child. Yes. 
Uh, Jim. I saw dreams. Oh. I was just gonna say real quick. I saw Jim's scenario. Uh, dream scenario. Uh, you're not missing too much on that one. I'm just gonna start out. Okay. <laughs> well, it's Nick Cage. You never. It's, it's always worth seeing for him, if nothing else. And hopefully, it's not two hours and forty-five minutes. It is. Oh, Jim. All right. <laughs> We're saving that one for home. Okay. Yep. Jim, to you. Okay, I'm going to preface this by saying I missed a lot of movies this year, and had I been better about that, my my list would probably be really different. So this is just what I got around to. Uh, but my top three of the movies I saw this year, uh, number one is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I thought that was a really, really good movie, uh, really good uh, best comic book movie of the year, uh, really creative and, and, uh, and emotionally resonant, uh, very well done. Uh, second is uh, The Covenant by, by a movie by Guy Ritchie um, uh, set in, uh, in the, Afghani the Afghanistan War. Uh, very, uh, very powerful and well done war movie that I think flew under the radar for a lot of people, but definitely worth checking out. Uh, and number three is Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, was uh, incredibly creative, really well done. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and definitely had a, had a good story that... Uh, that I'm that I'm psyched to see the the uh, continuation of next year. Excellent. All right, Christine, to you. And I have to say, um, you know, like Jim having kids, and previous to this year, I pretty much only saw kid movies in the theater or things that I went to with my child. But thanks to Eric, I've got out to the movies a lot more this year than I have in the past. So my top wow. three. And actually, the first one we already mentioned, and we actually did go see it with my boys. And these, my three movies are ones that I walked out going, wow, that was good. <laughs> so Cocaine Bear is one of them. Um, the Covenant is another one. And then the other one is uh, Renfield, the um, Nick Cage, you know, the different take on, I just thought it was really entertaining. Well, I did go see that, by the way, on your recommendation, and I thought I thought all the scenes that Aquafina weren't in were really good. <laughs> so half the movie, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, Renfield is my number three, and uh, again, just Nick Cage chewing scenery or chomping scenery or whatever he does, love it. And Nicholas Holt, I am really just I, I'm it's getting to the point where I will go see a movie if he's in it. Love Renfield. Also a comedy. And I'm, I'm glad I saw this after I saw Burt Kreischer's stand-up material. Became a big fan of that, and I loved The Machine. I'm my my love of uh, Russian culture has been well documented on this show, and Russian mafia. That's some sick stuff. I dug The Machine. Good stuff. It, it was an origin story. I really like that one. And my number one, not under the radar for me, Jim. I love Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. That I like. Christine. Part of her criteria was walking out of a movie and going, wow, I really like that. I I was, it's a war movie. I, I was pumped. And at the same time, I was pissed. And it's like, you know what? Good things can happen when people pull it together and do good things for other people, even in the war milieu. And just walk out of the movie going, damn, Guy Ritchie, thank you. Movies like that can be made today. And I appreciate that for our, for our men and women over there fighting for freedom. Amen to that. Hint, hint, Hollywood. Please make more. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not a big war movie person. Um, well, please, yes, like, I'm not either for anything like that. Anything, sure ad nauseum, anything ad nauseum is still ad nauseum. Well, I'm, I'm multiversed out as well. <laughs> well, movies that show our men and women 
fighting and, and doing heroic things. I can't get enough of that. Sure. So, but yeah, uh, what what did, I, I don't subscribe to Letterman's. Anything worth doing is overdoing. But spotlighting are men and women who uh, fight for freedom. I can deal with that. And, and you know, it's weird too because this year I've actually seen two movies this year from a South Korean perspective that are now tackling like the war in the Middle East as well. Like there was a movie earlier this year called uh, The Point Man, which is basically about a bunch of South Korean missionaries who were kidnapped in Afghanistan and then they have to like, go rescue them. And then there was another movie that came out that was called The Ransom, which was very similar to Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, but it was essentially them trying to uh, rescue a south korean diplomat and i believe it was iran at, at the time so yeah even like other countries now are starting to have their take on uh the, the war in the middle east but i think it's an interesting perspective when you're like getting the war in the middle east from like a non-american perspective but kind of like in that same lane i think it's interesting to check those out too so well there you have it folks 2023 in review and a couple of things looking forward to in 2024 and beyond Jacob Smith from Society Reviews and Bounding Into Comics. Thank you so much for joining us here again. You're, oh, you're now in the, in the two-time club here on All Over the Place, and we appreciate that. One more thing before we wrap things up. Are we not going to oh, yeah. do our, our top three worst of the year? Because I got some worst for you, too. <laughs> you know, I, I, we typically, we typically do a suck. plus one. I, I, I mentioned my disappointment earlier, so speed round it. Go. All right, my my top three uh, worst movies of uh, 2023. Uh, the Creator, uh, stunk, trash, awful. Uh, Joyride was probably uh, my worst film for the majority of this year. Also very bad. And then I think Dix the Musical might be the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. So <laughs> those are my top three uh, worst movies of 2023. And I'm happy that I haven't seen any of those. <laughs> Consider yourself blessed. <laughs> And the creator is what, in our neck of the woods, the creator on IMAX is what kept us from being able to see Stop Making Sense in IMAX. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'll give that a, a double. Yeah. Creator! Yeah, Worst trade deal in the history of trade deals. <laughs> yep, we'll, we'll, give, we'll trade you a grilled cheese sandwich for a flaming pile of poop. And it's like, oh, okay, this sounds like a trade. <laughs> no. Yep. I will balk. Well, there, there's a three worst. We've had the, the, our three favorite. Again, Jacob, Jacob Smith from Society Reviews. Thanks for joining us here on All Over the Place. We'll be back real soon, folks, with yet another episode of All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live. Take care, everyone. Make sure you subscribe. Share and like. You've been listening to All Over the Place, the official podcast of Media Pub Live. If you like what you've been listening to, and you know you have, be sure to share it with friends and family, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever. Content contained herein have been the opinions of the hosts, the producer, and the guests only. You have listened at your own risk.